What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Scotty Talks NBA. Um, we got a little bit of a different setup today. Usually we go live, but today I am pre-recording this. Um, I have a very special guest today. Um, as you guys may know him from Twitter, um, James Bur Is it Bahrain? I don't want to say it incorrect. Yeah, yeah, you got Bahrain. it right. Gotcha. So I have James Bahrain. Some people call him Yams. Do you prefer to go by Yams? No, that's uh, that's kind of a joke uh, that happened over like Thanksgiving. A lot of the guys at the Liberty Line, I was telling them I was making candied yams, and they thought it was very funny. And <laughs> so I, I kept, I ran with it, and now it's kind of something that sticks. So it's pretty funny. But no, I, I'm James. Uh, yams is my alter ego, I guess. Got you, got you. So I wanted to make sure I clear that up yeah. before I address you by the incorrect name today, that's James. That's hilarious, yeah. Um, James, before we get started here today, um, of course, I can let everybody know what you got going on, but it might sound a little bit better coming from yeah. you. Um, what all do you have going on right now? Where can people find your content? And, you know, what, what all do you get into? Yeah, so all my written work is uh, with the Liberty Line. So if you want to read any of this, the, the stuff that I'm writing, I do a sixer of the week. So weekly I'm dropping stuff. I didn't get to do it this week because it was finals, but right. um, I had a lot of studying to do instead. But yeah, definitely check check out my written work at the Liberty Line. Um, and then obviously I do the PixWap podcast with Sean Bernard, who I know you're familiar with. He wanted me to say what's up. So gotcha. um, I do that with him. And then I'm also part of the Process to Progress, which is the Sixers podcast for the Liberty Line as well. So any of the stuff you want to catch me on, do do it or don't do it. It's okay either way, but that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And very modest there, very modest. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got a lot of Sixers stuff going on. You're, you're very in, yeah. in touch with the Sixers, which is ultimately why I brought you on here, James. Obviously, yeah. you're pretty cool, but we, we did get here to talk business. Um, the Sixers, right? We're going to get into a, a lot of the Sixers talk today. So we're going to talk about, um, you know, the the matchup with the Warriors over the weekend, how they, you know, were able to gather that underdog win, and then the <laughs> complete opposite of, yeah. of, of a loss against the Memphis Grizzlies uh, last night, which was just kind of disturbing to watch in, in a sense. Yeah. Um, after that, we'll get into uh, a few trade targets, a few realistic trade targets that me and James have our eyes on uh, in regards to this Ben Simmons talk that just keeps on coming. Um, and then we'll get into a little bit of Eastern Conference talk. We'll talk about some teams that may, maybe should be selling. Um, before we get into all of that, I just have a, a, you know, a little bit of tidy up work, clean up work here. Um, a little bit of news. So Steph Curry, obviously, tonight, 730 at Madison Square Garden. He's two three-pointers away from breaking Ray Allen's all-time record. Um, it's, it's time for him to make history, right? Like, right. he's not going to not get two three-pointers. Right. <laughs> it's happening at the Garden tonight. Uh, I got just a, a quick question, and you can, you know, take it, pick it as you will, right? Yeah. LeBron or Steph for your for your age, for your time watching basketball? 
It's LeBron. Uh, it's definitely LeBron. But man, I uh, there was a small, a small stint of a time where I was anti Steph Curry. Yeah. And I wish I could go back and, and change that because he's he's amazing, dude. And the way that he's changed basketball is something that I wish everyone could find a way to appreciate. But for me, it's LeBron. I mean, he's he's always been my my goat. And for me, I've been watching LeBron since like literally since I can remember. So yeah. it's definitely LeBron for me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, the only reason I bring it up, and I'm, I'm not necessarily on either side, really. I, yeah. I see the greatness in both of them. Um, I, I'm the same as you. Is like when I was younger, I would, I would be like just so anti-LeBron, like anti-LeBron, yeah. <laughs> like just so against him for no yeah. reason. Until it was until he won that championship series against the Golden State Warriors, where they came yeah. back from uh, one to three, um, and won that series. That that earned my respect ultimately, and it shouldn't have t- taken that. He's obviously one of the greatest players of all time, number one or number two on everybody's list, most likely. And um, yeah, I, I just used to hate on him for no reason. But that's that's what greatness does, man. As a bitter yeah. Philly fan, I find myself doing that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Other set of news here: um, Zion suffers a setback in the foot injury recovery. Um, he's only played eighty-five games compared to eighty-seven games that he's missed, man. And uh, the longer he's out, the more worried I get. I, I I don't know if you know this. I am a Duke fan, so um, obviously okay. I'm rooting for uh, Zion to to be successful. But it's looking bad, man. You have all these rumors about his weight. Yeah. Any any thoughts on Zion in that situation in New Orleans? There, I feel I feel bad for him uh, in a lot of ways. Like uh, obviously, none of us really know exactly what's going on. Um, yeah. And who knows what could actually be happening with him? And I feel like he's been had a tough time there. Like he's on his third head coach already. Um, and he was fantastic last year. I think people forget that he was incredible yeah. last season when he was on the court. Uh, so really for him, I just, I, I'm hopeful that he gets healthy soon, uh, and that he can come back and be the Zion that we were all really excited for, you know, that garnered the first overall pick. So, and I, I think he can, I think he will. He's still super young. Yeah, he is still super young. He's just, he's got to get himself in a better shape now. Yeah. I, I saw him the other day, like in a picture on the sidelines. He looked like he was yeah. in pretty good shape. So I, it, it seems like those pictures with it, like his weight concerns are like kind of inaccurate. I could be totally wrong. I don't know his weight and all of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Zion. Definitely want to see him back in there. I kind of just wish he never would have got drafted to New Orleans. <laughs> like, yes. I just feel like that is like, even when he comes back, that team has not done anything to surround him with something that fits him. It's, it's just kind of weird there. Um. Final, final, you know, uh, just kind of quick notes here. The Lakers also, it's been rumored by Jake Fisher um, that they've had internal conversations about moving Russell Westbrook. Um, that trio uh, to their to their standards has not worked. Um, any thoughts on that fit out in L.A., man? I, it, it's kind of gross to me. I haven't watched any other games in a while, um, you know, since towards the beginning of the season just because – it's kind of boring. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I do not like that fit of of those three on the court at the same time at all. Um, and then sometimes they throw a Rondo and like just a, a mixture of like just weird non shooting players around these guys that aren't shooters, you know, per se themselves. Um, any thoughts on the Westbrook and, and the Lakers there? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I always end up having the faith, like the same way with Tom Brady, where it was like at first, like, oh, I don't yeah. know if the Bucks are going to be that good. And then they end up figuring it out. We've done this dance with LeBron before. Um, and I think they'll end up figuring it out to some level. But I, to me, Anthony Davis has to play the five yeah. uh, for them to be successful. Like, they can't run DeAndre Jordan. Like, DeAndre Jordan shouldn't yeah. probably be getting minutes at all. Um, but like, Davis has to play center. LeBron has to then yeah. play power forward. And then, like, 
find some shooting somewhere because like everyone loves THT. I don't I don't know why there's so much of a, a affinity for him, but I would have to look at I his don't numbers. know what they're gonna do. That, man. He has like skill. He's definitely a very skillful player, but like to pick him over Caruso or whoever it was that like he's unavailable in trades. It's like no, he's like he shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird to me. And and you know Caruso is an interesting point there because he's he's doing very well with Chicago. Yeah. They have one of the best you know defensive backcourts in the in the league there with Lonzo and Caruso. And that's kind of what the Lakers are missing too. You know, just a guy that can—he's yeah. aggressive. He's—he's he's very athletic. He can play def- defense, um, and he yeah. can also occasionally hit the three. So, they—they um, they definitely got to figure out something with the shooting. I think you're right there. Um, and of course, you—you you just can't have Dwight Howard, like Dwight Howard and like Russell Westbrook in the lineup. We thought that you know Ben Simmons yeah. and Dwight Howard lineup was <laughs> disgusting. Like, <laughs> yeah, imagine Russ. And, and Dwight, man. So yeah, I'm 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 not too intrigued by that. But I, I do tend to agree with you. LeBron always seems to figure it out, and yeah. and a LeBron-led team always seems to figure it out. So we'll see. Um, all right, let's get into the real business here. So we'll start with the Sixers and the Warriors. Um, so it was on Saturday, I believe, the Sixers played the Warriors. Um, it was it at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, and they were able to come away with the win against uh, the best team in the NBA. Um, I'm not sure if, if Phoenix and them have kind of – I'm not sure if Phoenix, Phoenix has bypassed them just yet, but um, definitely a top-two team in the NBA right now record-wise. Um, 102-93 um, held Steph Curry to 18 points. Uh, he had nine rebounds, five assists, six for 20 from the field, three for 14 from the three-point line. Embiid, 26 points, nine rebounds, four assists, um, seven for 16 shooting. Um, James, any quick takeaways from this game? Um, thoughts coming out of this game? That they can be the Sixers can be a very competitive team, and that they there is enough there to compete. Um, obviously, I think in a seven game series, this is not in favor of the Sixers, but I think they found their de- identity a little bit in this game. Uh, defensively, they decided that they were not going to let Steph Curry beat them, and obviously, Thibel was the catalyst to that. He was incredible yeah. on Saturday night. Um, but the effort from Embiid as well. And then coming in, Maxi did a good job. Danny Green did a good job. Like a lot of those guys stepped into that role saying, we're not going to let Steph beat us tonight. Uh, let everyone else do the work. And like Jordan Poole had a great night. And Andrew Wiggins is actually, yeah. you know, a very solid NBA player. But they were able to like, Embiid didn't totally dominate. And they were still able to get, I think, what Curry had 10, I think, like a mix of guys. Maxi had 14. Yeah. Harris had like 15 or 16. So yeah. a lot of guys helped in, pitched in to, to keep that. You know their score up, but to to keep the Warriors to 93 points a season low, yeah. uh, you can't ask for anything more from them defensively. So I think the biggest thing that I took away was um, they have an identity. It's defense, and when they lock in, they're a very very good defensive team. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I agree 100% with that. Um, and you know, to your point of just you know finding that identity, um, kind of you know not getting overwhelmed by the Warriors because. Yeah. There were points in that game, specifically, uh, you mentioned Jordan Poole with 23 points. He had hit, like, back-to-back threes on, you know, a few possessions in a row. And I know I was starting to think, ah, oh, God, they're, you know, I think it might have even been during the third quarter um, yeah. where they're, like, lethal in the third quarter, the Warriors are. Um, and and the Sixers didn't get overwhelmed. They didn't get down. They, they stayed in it. They were able to fight back, um, get the lead, and ultimately win the game um, by close to double digits, nine-point victory. So – I was impressed by that. Um, you mentioned Tyrese Maxey, and I wanted to get your opinion on this because I know you and Sean have talked about it a lot. But um, Tyrese Maxey's fit with Joel Embiid, 
you know, it, uh, it, the splits are obvious. Like when, when Tyrese Maxey plays without Joel Embiid, we saw it last night. Maybe it's not the greatest example um, in a blowout like that. Uh, but 23 points. He's right back over that 20-plus uh, point mark um, as soon as Embiid's out. And, uh, you know, whenever Embiid comes back, you know, the ball seems to gravitate towards him a lot more. It seems to gravitate towards the post a lot more. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Fid? Do you have any worries um, because there's there's part of me in the back of my mind that just worries that I hate to say like a similar thing that happened to Ben Simmons and like his mindset when you're trying to score on offense as a guy that is aggressive and attacking in the lane and then playing with a guy that clogs up the lane. So that's that's my biggest worry right now is that we're falling into this same thing again and we're starting to see a trend. Um, where, you know, some of us had maybe thought that that was just Ben Simmons, right? Um, what are your thoughts on that and, and just the Maxi and, and Embiid pairing all together? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a little bit to worry about. Um, but I was talking to Sean earlier, and it's like, I think they've only played like 15 games together, 14 games together this season. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very small sample size. It's definitely a work in progress. And it should be yeah. probably like the most important thing that they're figuring out. Um, over these coming weeks because you know if maxi is continuing to play the way that he's been able to play um the way the trade targets you're looking at could look entirely different um i think it's kind of like the the you kind of the logic of it makes sense like no mb means not a lot of attention in the post means maxi getting to the rim a lot easier that's just logical that's just the way that basketball works um with Embiid's willingness and ability to score from the outside, I think that they should explore those options in the way uh, Curry plays with Embiid in the two-man game. I think they should kind of explore the, the maxi in that two-man game as well because he can get downhill so quickly and the, his speed burst is up there with the best in the league yeah. and he's a great finisher at the rim. So giving him space and a little bit of time, I think creates a, a whole wor- a new world for him uh, in terms of scoring. So Obviously, the numbers are going to go down with Maxi when he plays with Embiid because of the attention that Embiid rightfully draws. But I, I think it, this is something that they definitely are working on. And I trust yeah. Maxi's work ethic. Um, not to slander anyone, not to slight anyone. I trust Maxi's work ethic um, in terms of figuring out how to work it out rather yeah. than uh, be stubborn. So I, I'm there's worry there. Uh, it's frustrating to see that they struggle so much when playing together or not struggle, but Maxi doesn't play as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's where my worry lies, but I think it will continue to get better. Yeah. And I, I agree. Um, you know, like you said, it's not to throw shots, but I, I do think Maxi, he's already shown an incline to fix things that were kind of an issue last season. And we've seen him take a major jump this season. So I, I would only imagine that he'll figure it out even more. Um, you know, when, when we're talking about, you know, that two man came with Seth, and Joel Embiid, it seems like that is the only thing Doc Rivers knows in knows. the fourth quarter specifically. <laughs> um, you know, thoughts on Doc Rivers and kind of, you know, he seems in my mind like even, you know, I know everybody's complaining about Tobias Harris right now. Um, we're talking about the fit of, you know, Maxi and Embiid. We're talking about Ben Simmons' trade value. But I feel like just this underlying detractor of Doc Rivers um, you know, if Tobias figures it out, Doc Rivers will mess it up. If, you know, if we trade somebody, if we trade Ben Simmons and get a quality return, Doc Rivers will mess it up. And, you know, I, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Doc Rivers in, you know, just overall, but specifically since he's gotten to the Sixers 
and any differences or similarities that you've seen, you know, with him in the past. So it's, this is a very funny story because I had to like really heavily backtrack because during the coaching search, I have been like on record of saying that I thought like Doc Rivers is a much overrated coach in the yeah. NBA and, and one of the most overrated of all time. Like he has one championship. He had four Hall of Famers on one roster, like he, and he <laughs> never made it back. Like he's never even been back to a championship. So like, yeah, it's there's a lot there for him. He, he's not a good playoff coach. I think he's fantastic in harboring a great culture um, with young guys. I think he does a great job. Like I think one of the best things for Maxi is to be with Doc Rivers and yeah. Sam Cassell specifically yeah, as Sam well. Cassell. I love Sam Cassell, but when we're looking back, if they had a shot at Ty Lue, I would 100 times out of 100 take that. I don't care about pedigree. I don't care about reputation. Like I would rather have Ty Lue than yeah. Doc Rivers. He lacks creativity offensively. Like just even watching the Grizzlies, and I think this might fall in a little bit with roster construction, but like they don't get downhill. They don't like have sets that they run that always work or give you like a shot to always work. How will you struggle as an NBA team with a two, three zone for two, almost two full years with Doc Rivers? Like it doesn't make sense. Or even with Brett Brown, like how is an NBA team? Do you struggle against the two, three zone? You've been playing against it probably since elementary school. You should figure out how to break a two, three zone. So there's definitely, I have a lot of underlying concerns. I've, I thought he did a great job on Saturday against the Warriors yeah. um, with Matisse and, and matching minutes and, and making the right decision of keeping him in the game when uh, Matisse in the game when he was in foul trouble. But yeah. he does a lot of little things right. But I think at the end of the day, I, I'm not confident in his ability to coach a championship team. And that's a tough reality to come to as a Sixers fan right now. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Brett Brown and it just almost feels like it's like Brett Brown 2.0. Like, I, you know, it's very similar. The things that we're complaining about adjustments, um, you know, even in this game against Memphis last night. It, and it's why they have it's why this team has so much question marks and why Doc Rivers has so many question marks as well is because you come out, you beat the best team in the NBA on Saturday and then you come out and you get smoked. And I, I know Embiid didn't play. I know Seth Curry didn't play. And this is, a, really this is another conversation. You know, maybe we can we can just move to the Grizzlies game here. Yeah. Um, Tobias Harris, like, you know, I, I know everybody's talking about the contract, and I, I was kind of trying to, you know, be optimistic with him. You know, he's coming back from COVID, this and that. But we're seeing the similar things, once again, that we have seen throughout his time here that we get pissed off about. It's this indecisiveness, not shooting the ball, not being aggressive. When you look out on that court last night, Tobias Harris is the only max player that played in that game last night. The only max player in the, in that played in that game. And there were people complaining about Jaron Jackson's contract. You know, he's, he's making like $26 million a year or something like that after yeah. the extension over the offseason. This man, Tobias Harris, makes $36 million a year. <laughs> and he looked totally outmatched by Jaron yeah. Jackson Jr., which – Mind you, Jaron Jackson Jr. is like this athletic phenomenon, like, and he has, you know, incredible touch. He can shoot the ball. Um, and, you know, over overall, he is a, a very overwhelming matchup for Tobias Harris. I get yeah. it. But where is, like, the dog at? You know, we, we talked about Ben Simmons looking like a deer in headlights in the playoffs, and it looks like as soon as you ask it, uh, for this, for Tobias Harris to make the, this team his, right, Joel Embiid's out tonight. He's got some bruised ribs, man. Can you handle it for one night? I guess and, the Grizzlies. Yeah, against the Grizzlies without John Moran, right? 
Yeah. And uh, you, you come out and, and there's just nothing there. So I want to know your thoughts on Tobias. I know over at the Pick Swap podcast, you guys have uh, you guys have talked about you know moving moving him an awful lot. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on Tobias? How is there a way to fix him on this team? Like, what, what can we do with him? Yeah, I think so. It's difficult because Tobias is really like he's very solid in a lot of the things that he does. He's a good yeah. rebounder. He's a good defender now. He's statistically a good shooter, yeah. uh, but doesn't take the volume that you need. I, the concern for Tobias to me is like, I think he would be good anywhere he goes. I don't think he's great anywhere he goes. Yeah. And right here, especially with this fit alongside Embiid, like, I just don't know that it's right. And like, again, we got to realize the management has changed like basically three times, like yeah. since Embiid's been good, like since the Sixers have been good, like management has switched from like three, four drastic different ways yeah. of looking at uh, a roster, like the outlook of a, of a season. So like Tobias was not different. Um, Doc Rivers wasn't even Daryl Moore's decision. Yeah. So like Tobias frustrates me because I want so much more from him. I want him to be so good because I really like Tobias. I think him as a person, yeah. great dude. He's awesome as a leader, like in the organization. I think he does a great job for in, in the community. Great job. Like it's hard to hate on a guy like that. And not that I would hate on him, but I think it's more about the fit and more about what like who Tobias is as a player. He's almost 30 years old. Like he's yeah. not going to change now. Right. Like, there's really not much more like he's probably on his last big contract. Good for him for getting his money. Like I think it's, it's hard for like, you wouldn't, nobody would turn down $36 million a year. So like, <laughs> it's frustrating because it, like I, I, on nights like that and even nights with Embiid, like I think the last time he scored 25, I was like, Oh my God, Tobias scored 25. Like he's a max yeah. player that should be doing that regularly or not every night, but like every couple nights. And we haven't even seen it. Like he seems like peak at like 18, 19 and like, it's just not good enough. Um, his spots where he scores from aren't like cohesive with this team. So personally, I think for the Sixers sake, it's, it's necessary to look at better options or different options. Yeah. Cause even if you get some financial Liberty going into next summer, like if you just have some relief and you have some cap space that you can play with, I think that gives Daryl Morey a better shot of building a championship caliber roster. Yeah. Cause right now they just don't have it. Yeah. And you, you know, that was a good point. I, I think it's something I forgot to mention myself is, you know, one of my takeaways from that warriors game is like, it's exactly what you said to start the show there. It, it showed that they can compete with anyone, but it also showed me that there is no way that we can pencil them in as contenders right now because they show the same limitations every game. And sometimes they can really emphasize their strengths and go out there and beat a Warriors team. But then, you know, on an off night or just a regular night, you could call it, they go into Memphis and just get smoked by a team that's just more aggressive, more physical. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's what it comes down to. And with Tobias, you know, I, I guess what I want to ask you, do you, I, I know you kind of hit at it, but do you think if Tobias got moved, is is he a player that could ever average like 23 points? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. When when I when I knew Ben Simmons wasn't going to be playing this year to start the season at least, I thought maybe, you know, maybe this is Tobias's chance to like eclipse like a 22 point per game or 23 yeah. points per game mark. Um, you know, he would have the ball in his hands more, I thought. And it's just not the case. He kind of shrinks himself in a sense. 
Yeah, I think that we were definitely on the same page there. Like at the beginning of the year, I remember saying to Sean, like, dude, he could average 22, 23, 24. Like we're going to need that to buy us. And we, yeah, we need it. Like, we look, he looked like he was locked in. And like, I don't know what, I really don't know what it is because he's kind of falling, just falling back. Like you said, falling back into those habits of, you know, not taking open shots. And he's gotten like, there's some nights where he's better at it. Like against the Warriors, he came out, made yeah. an open three off a catch and shoot. Like those are the type of things you need from Tobias. I really don't feel like you're asking that much of him, but he's, he lacks like the athleticism to yeah. hang other fours and he that's doesn't have the floor spacing. Like, and that's kind of the thing. I think if he had one or the other, like if he had the volume shooting with his, like he he's athletic enough, but like he's not bouncing out of the gym. You're not really throwing lobs yeah. at him on a pick and roll. But if he could space the floor at like an elite level or a higher level, yeah. that would negate the lack of athleticism. Yeah. Or if he was really athletic and shot the way that he does, yeah. that would negate the shooting. Yeah. But he doesn't really have either one. He's kind of just in the middle at those two things. And those two things are really important to like a modern day four in the NBA. So there's some fundamental flaws in who Tobias is as a player, but you're never he's never going to change. So like that's why I think as a fit and like as what he is, he might be better suited elsewhere to just give you that 16 to 18 a night and be Tobias Harris in a place that better suits him being Tobias Harris. Yeah, and it's 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 so funny you mentioned like the athleticism because that's that's what I think every time he like blows a one of those like drop in layups. Like I that is like the one like I know everybody gets pissed off about the you know non shot taking, you know, yeah. sometimes they'll be wide open at the three and decide to dribble into like traffic. Yeah. But like my biggest thing is those like chip shots in the in the paint, especially in the yeah. playoffs against Atlanta, just missing layups. Like, and that's all athleticism. You have, like, John Collins and Clint Capella out there, you know, athletic as hell jumping around you. Same thing last night. Jaron Jackson, just an athletic freak. Steven Adams in the paint. He can't do anything with that. And, you know, you, you hit on something there that made me think, because I've, I've seen Niang uh, this season, right? He's, like, trying to drive in the lane. He's using the floaters. He's not afraid to shoot the three-pointer. And it's like yeah. if Tobias Harris just had that confidence – and it's like the same thing that we, we've said. It feels like this is like a rerun of like so many players that we go through in Philadelphia, especially the Sixers, of if they had this person's confidence, then they would be this good. You know, we've said this about Ben. We've said this about other players. But I don't know. I, I agree with you on the other end as well. Is like Tobias is just a great person. Like part of it, you know, this dude is like so nice. Like I, I put it on Twitter because I ordered, you know, a Spectrum jersey. And it was Tobias Harris's Spectrum jersey. And, like, it got shipped to a different house. And, like, I tagged him in the post, like, kind of just complaining to Sixers shop. And so he DMs me, and he's like, bro, I'll hook you up. Like, what's your address? Like, literally offers to just yeah. send me the jersey. You know what I mean? Like, he's just such a yeah. nice guy. And it's like, I can't sit here and slander him or disrespect him. But no. you, you just simply got to do better. I, I think that's the best way to put it. Like, you know, obviously, like you said, he's close to 30 years old. He is what he is. But at least do that at, to the fullest extent, right? Like yeah. if you're if you're 18 to 20 point guy, get that every time. Get us 18 yeah. to 20 points every single time, not 14, 15, and then sometimes 22. We want that 18 yeah. to 20 every time. Consistently. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's tough because like the like Harris has had a lot of good moments here too. Like yeah. we've had a lot of he's been a part of this team. Like as short yeah. of a time as he's been there, it's been a really formidable couple years with him here and like the roller coaster he really is now when you look at it like one of two standing 
Yeah. Um, when you think about this team, like, or maybe you add Furkan into that too. So like maybe <laughs> you can add Quirk. one and three. Like, so it's hard to like that breakup as well. If it's, I don't know if it is impending. I don't really know what their plan is, but yeah. if you think about what's available, if you are able to move him, like, I don't know how long you can hang on to him. If there's a better fit for a better price out there. Yeah. Because you know, the, the thing is, it's like, there's, there's no way Daryl Morey isn't at least listening, you know, to yeah. see if there's anything out there that, you know, anybody inquiring. And I thought something that was interesting before CJ uh, McCollum had like the collapse lung, you know, rather than Ben for CJ McCollum, you know, Tobias was something that interested me because, you know, CJ McCollum, I know everybody, you know, kind of t- shits on him a little bit, but he at least does it consistently. He's going to get you 20 to 23 points like that. That's who he is. That's who he's been his whole career, even back to college days. Um, so I, you know, I think that's what you're going for there is like that consistent second scoring threat. Cause even Seth, he's inconsistent at times, like every, everybody else on the team really. Um, so you're looking for Tobias for consistency, which, he, which he's just not providing. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point to from the uh, Memphis game, only four three pointers made for the Sixers. It's their lowest of the season, obviously. Um, it's the fourth it's tied, no tied for the third lowest, um, in, during this season altogether uh, wow. in the entire NBA. And they only they only took, I think, 22 three-pointers total. Um, they're actually 23rd in the NBA in all-around uh, three-pointers made. Um, how can they fix this? Is this Doc Rivers? Like, is this in – like, Embiid didn't play last night, so it's not Embiid clogging up the lane. What is there a way to fix this, or do we just not have what is capable yeah, I mean, it seems like the only time they get open threes is when um, Embiid is playing Play, and right? he passes it out and <laughs> someone's open because he's getting double teamed. So, it, yeah, it's it's bad. And it's something that, like, I don't know how the Sixers have lagged so far behind in, like, the movement of the modern NBA. But yeah. literally since the start of, like, the Curry era, uh, Steph Curry, that is, um, yeah. like, <laughs> there's haven't had those guys that come in and, and like that's when you talk about a buddy healed and what if yeah. you could swap that and like that's yeah. a whole different conversation but like if tobias harris if you swap it for a guy that takes 10 three-pointers a game like is making four out of every 9.7 he takes per game like that changes the way your team looks entirely and those shots are going to come yeah. every night he's been like a career 40 percent shooter talking about buddy healed and yeah. I don't know. There's there's the issue I see. There's no one that creates their shot on the perimeter. Like Tobias doesn't do it. Uh, Maxi is starting to do it. He had a really nice like sidestep three pointer last night, which was yeah. like nice to see him reach into the bag a little bit. But like, there's no one else that does it. Like Furkan's been in a huge slump. Niang only really catches and shoots. Yeah. Um, Danny Green is like only catches and shoots. Seth Curry's <laughs> yeah. the only one that can do it occasionally. But like, yeah. he wasn't. He didn't play last night. So I think it was a cultivation of a lot of the where they get their three-point shots, like Curry and Embiid's presence were gone yeah. last night. So aside from that, they don't, like Shake is the only guy that comes to mind of like someone that shoots off the dribble like ever. Yeah. <laughs> and he's very spotty as well lately. So yeah. I mean, he, he's been playing all right, I guess, in the last couple yeah. of games. Um, yeah, and you mentioned Korkmaz. He's two for 17 from three-pointers uh, for three-point shooting in December, 29.5% on the season. Terrible, man. And, you know, he started so hot. And, you know, this is kind of something that I wanted to ask you as well. At what point, you know, in some of these situations like last night, do you go to – and I know Cork had 12 points, so maybe last night isn't the greatest example. 
when do you start giving Isaiah Joe more opportunities in that situation as a shooter? And then vice versa. I know Drummond's played well, but like specific times like last night, and maybe it's maybe it's not even taking Drummond out. I don't know how you would have done that against Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. But I thought Charles Bassey, when he came in, matched up decently with uh, Jackson just for his size and athleticism. Yeah. And he was like the only person that can compare to him. Um, when does Doc start considering these guys, or does he at all? I mean, I think he should. Uh, I actually recently wrote about Furkan potentially like getting his minutes cut a little bit because of how yeah. bad he's been. And like, I love Furkan. Like, I have a I have a real affinity for him. Yeah. Uh, but Isaiah Joe gives you a bomber like Isaiah Joe will shoot. And from what we've seen, he's he's a good shooter. Uh, he's a volume shooter. He's a guy that can shoot from anywhere. Um, and I actually expected him to be a little bit more of the rotation coming into this year. I, I And especially on a night like last night, like you're already kind of shorthanded. Um, you're getting your ass beat like very early on. Like they were down by 20, like early. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why he doesn't get a run. I think Charles Bassey has a chance to be a good, a really good NBA player going forward, like a very solid backup big. Um, athletically, he's the only one, like you said, that could hang. Yeah. Um, great shot blocker really good rebounder like a lot of the things that the Sixers are miss in those games uh defensively he he kind of picks up that slack so yeah. I th- I think like Drummond is going to be the backup center all year yeah and he's yeah. very good like he's a very good backup center but like I think Bassey depending on what happens going into next year like could be an option be as your backup center I think he's that he has that amount of skill it's just amount of the experience so yeah, I think soon is the answer. I don't know when, but yeah. potentially soon. I got you. And yeah, that, that's actually an interesting thought because, you know, at some point I thought maybe, you know, Paul Reed, I know Paul Reed's more of a four as well, but I yeah. thought that maybe he could slide, but it seems like Massey is like kind of taking him out of the equation. Um, you know, Drummond most likely won't be here next year. Um, he's going to yeah. get a nice contract after, you know, the positive signs that he's shown this season. Um, so Bassey, you know, Bassey is interesting. And, you know, I guess that's what I'm kind of asking or suggesting there for Doc is if we can see it from the outside, like recognize it. You know what I mean? Like if we're playing the Bucks, Bassey's an athletic guy. I know he's young. He might do some stupid fouls. But in a night where you're totally dwindled down on your bench, you don't have a beat, you don't have some of your, your uh, starters, go to an athletic guy like that. Let him get his learning humps under him. You know what I mean? And yeah. go at it with a guy. We saw him block Giannis straight up. We saw Paul Reed block Giannis straight up. Um, and like last night, I saw him block Jaron Jackson straight up. So just like noticing it sooner, you know what I mean? Like it, it's always like he's like really slow to adjust. And it's like that's why you see like these late comebacks all the time because they finally make the adjustments by the fourth quarter. And then a lot of the time it's just too late. But I don't know. Doc, like I said, man, he's that underlying detractor that I think even if they figure out the other detractors, like a Tobias Harris inconsistent, Ben Simmons not playing, Doc Rivers is always going to be there to just let you know that this <laughs> we won't win. Right. <laughs> like and and oh, I, I forgot to touch on your Ty Lu point earlier as well, because I, I thought that was a great point. I was totally against Ty Lu at the time, and, and I feel yeah. like a moron for it. Um, obviously he's done a much better job with the Clippers than what Doc did in the recent years, um, especially in the playoffs when you're, you're talking about Kawhi Leonard being out for most of that playoff run, getting the most out of Paul George. Um, you know, he would have been the, he would have been the knockdown candidate. I think he would have been the guy that could, you know, kind of figure this team out. And it just, it makes me wonder, you know, did they ever interview him? Did they bring him in? You know what I mean? I don't think they did. 
but um i, I definitely wish they would have <laughs> yeah like seriously and and like i don't know it's it's also like it's hard to say but like doc has had issues with players like him and yeah. Blake griffin don't speak him and paul yeah. george for whatever reason it might be don't speak like yeah. and the minute he left like paul george is like thank god i can finally play like myself again like yeah. we have multiple accounts of like players being misused players being having their repu- their their relationships with him being cracked and i think he's a very good guy like i think doc means well um yeah. but like i don't know man it's he's like stuck in his ways yeah he's i think he's very stubborn um yeah. for better or for worse and I, at, at the end of the day i think like if he, the sixers in a hypothetical if they were to fire him he's on the open market for 10 minutes before he yeah. gets a call like he's not someone else is going to pick him up he's that type of caliber coach yeah. but when you're talking about the top five top coach in the nba like there's a lot of other guys i'd rather have uh than him right now yeah just you know when you talk about innovation that's what comes to mind and you mentioned yeah. it creativity that's what it comes down to so um just uh you know sixers as a whole before we move on to uh the ben simmons topic here with the trade targets um overall thoughts on the Sixers so far you know obviously we had the blowout last night hopefully Embiid Seth are back um in the next ma- matchup I think it's against Miami, Miami. Yeah, yeah so Miami um thoughts going into the next part of the season and I guess a, a introductory question to the next segment do you think it's becoming an urgent situation to move Ben in order to get some help for these guys um so I I've been like fairly optimistic this whole year it's really hard to like gauge them because of the fact that like they spent a week and a half to like the better part of two weeks without Embiid and really this is all you know the only way they have a chance is with Joel so Mm -hmm. that was a difficult part to go through and then it's also hard to like rank them because of that as well because it was hard to know exactly what they are since him coming back they've looked good when he misses games they're terrible because that's how like how much they need him yeah (laughs) um in terms of like urgency, I think, I think there definitely is some because like at this point it's really it's we've, we've come to the conclusion they've broken up. They're just still living together, yeah. and like there's the divorce papers have been basically signed. <laughs> yeah. You know, which Ben's trying to find an apartment somewhere. Like that's that's the situation they're yeah. in right now. Um, so I think for the betterment of the team, in terms of just having another player that would play. Uh, would help if if Ben is gone soon but I don't think that they should budge on on their asking price like you only get to make this deal one time you only get to trade your number one overall pick one time Um, you better make it count like you can't screw this one up so I think for for more to be stubborn in his ways is the right thing right now Um, but if the deal is there you got it you got to go get it soon um but yeah. like again, there's there. I think there's going to be a lot of movement on a lot of different planes, and they, I think they have the chance to improve their roster one way or another. Yeah, and you know that that was kind of the thing that I was looking at too. Is like there there are other ways that you could improve the roster. Now, you know, if it's not a trade for a superstar, then I'm obviously not including Maxi or Thibel, like in any of right. those like side trades. Because um, yeah. one, you you want to keep those young players, and two, if you're not keeping them, you want to use them as leverage in a deal with Ben in order to get the yeah. best possible return. Um, when I'm when I'm looking around the league, you know, the Indiana Pacers put like Karis LeVert on the market. Karis LeVert, I look at him; he's having a down season. He's shooting like under thirty percent from the field. He's been uh, injured once. He's had he has a major injury history. 
but I look at a guy like that, like you could probably get him for a lot less than what he's actually worth right now. Um, and I think he could be a nice plug and play from the bench unit or, you know, just another scoring threat, like consistency. Um, so I'm, I'm looking around the league for guys like that to where maybe you can trade like a, I, I hate to throw shake in there. You know, maybe you can trade like yeah. a shake in a draft comp for Levert or something like that. Or, yeah. you know, Cam Reddish in Atlanta, they're talking about trading him. If anybody offers a first round pick, I know that doesn't necessarily count for the Sixers since their first yeah. round picks won't be that valuable, but um, you know, just those lower pieces that you can still move, but they would be monumental role players um, in a situation like this. So I am looking at some of those side avenues to, to make this team better as well. Just because I know that this this Ben situation, I know the the rumors are picking up, but I just I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know about you, but I I just get lost in them. You know, it it it's like all mixed together in my head of like what I've heard, the offers that I've heard about, and some of these offers just aren't even true. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some of the rumors yeah. are simply not true. Um, so let's let's get into the Ben talk. Yeah. I do want to you know get an updated look at the targets here. Let me get that off the screen. So um, as you guys view the screen here, we got a top five list of targets. So in the blue is going to be my picks um, for the top five. And then in the red, we have uh, yams up there. So my my, uh, my editor <laughs> put the yams on there. Um, we didn't know which we would prefer, uh, James. So we'll, I love we'll it, add though. it in there. Um, but uh, yams picks are over there in the red. Um, so what we can do here, James, we can just kind of go through the list and talk about that fit, why um, you want that player for this team. Um, so I'll start, uh, you know, with your number one. So you mentioned Damian Lillard. Um, the first question I want to ask you is, you know, despite all everything that he set out in the open, do you think that there is still a possibility that, you know, even with, you know, the reports coming out that the Blazers are not trying to move him, is there any, you know, fluidity there that you think could, that that trade could happen? Um, like in all reality, probably not. Um, the reason I put him number one though, is that like any, any, any like inkling that he, the Sixers have the best like available package that they could yeah. send anywhere. Um, so I think if there were something to happen, I think that would be, um, if you're going to have a wholesale, if you're going to do everything to get one player, if you're going to put all your chips in the middle, um, for one guy, like, I think it has to be Dame. In yeah. terms of fit, in terms of who he is, his his stature, he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Like, you you buy into that, um, you do that. So, so I don't you, think that that's a realistic one in terms of. I guess I should have a top five realistic. Trade like right now, for. though, like it, it, it is like I would agree with you in a realistic sense of if this plays out long in on the long term effect. So, yeah, like, I think like it potentially goes into the off season. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm looking at is like, if they're, if the Blazers are bad again and he wants that extension and they don't want to pay him cause they want to rebuild and they're like, okay, it's, it's better to just move on. Yeah. Um, if that's what they're waiting for, first of all, if that's what the Sixers are waiting for, which could be it, like they might just wait the Blazers out who knows. Yeah. Um, but like, if that becomes the reality where the Sixers don't get a deal uh, through this season and they're waiting for next off season to, to really kind of have that, flash rebuild Damian Lillard's the guy yeah and uh I, I tend to agree with you there and I, I want to ask you and the reason I don't have just for clarity I don't have Damian Lillard just because I think there are um some more players on the market that could become available in my mind just based on rumors um and what I would you know like to see them go after as well 
But um, if Damian Lillard's on the market, I would send everything. Um, that's what I wanted to ask you. Where does the line stop? Do you draw it at Maxi, Thibel, or you send them all? It does not matter. You're probably – I mean, you got to just send them all. Yeah. Like, as I, much I as I love those guys, I'm, I'm a huge fan of all of them. And, and, like, I'm really excited for their careers in the NBA. But, you know, if you're moving on from that to get a potential upgrade at that position, that's a top yeah. three at his position in, in the league. Yeah that fits perfectly with Joel and does everything that the Sixers have wanted. Um, you have to just do whatever you got to do. And I, I 120% agree with you. Um, and before this, or like maybe after that stretch, you know, with Maxi tearing it up, I might've, you know, been like blindfolded <laughs> and said yeah. like, you know, I'm not including Maxi, but no, as, as this season plays out and as I see the true, the truth behind this roster, um, yeah. Damian Lillard would solve so many issues and uh, you can just plug in, fill in you know players you can find a wing guy like like i mentioned there's side pieces to be had um in the buyout market and other avenues um so that's definitely something i could explore um my number one is going to be jalen brown and i know you have jalen brown number two on your list so you're obviously very high on him as well um which jalen brown i think he's averaging 21 points five rebounds two assists um in a steal a game uh 46 shooting 37 from three what does that fit look like? Because, like, in my mind, like, I, I do get the Damian Lillard fit. I guess, you know, as I've been thinking about this Sixers team, I have been gravitating more towards a wing um, and just having that consistency, you know, scoring, defending on the wing, similar, you know, to what we wanted out of Ben. Um, Jalen Brown, talk to me about that fit and, you know, kind of why he's your number two on the list there. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown, I think, is one of those guys that, given the opportunity, like in an in, in upgraded amount of opportunities on the offensive end, I think his scoring numbers could go up. Um, but like you said, the defensive versatility that he brings, I think the underrated part of Ben not being around and Ben, you know, kind of what he did was understated. Yeah. Uh, it gets brought back a little bit with Jalen Brown. He's a very, very solid, strong wing defender, that a good defensive presence, and I think um, in terms of his scoring, when you're talking about down the stretch, a guy that can handle the ball, a guy that can get his own shot, um, and a proficient number two scorer alongside Embiid, I think he fits really well. And as I think the way I put him at two is like it has to be a three team deal for me. I can't see yeah. Ben in, in green. It would uh, be sick to my stomach. <laughs> yeah, maybe something, you know, maybe something with Indiana or something like that, you know, where Sabonis goes to Boston and Ben goes to Indiana or something. I I, I don't know if that's, you know, something that's possible. I saw Fox. I saw a three-team deal where Fox ends up in Boston, Ben ends up in Sacramento, and Brown ends up here. I would be 100% fine, 100 fine yeah, with that. Yeah, that would work for me. Yeah, for sure. It, it's crazy with Jalen Brown because if you, like, talked about this a year ago, you could probably, you know, talk somebody into like accepting that trade one, you know, one for one, then for Jalen Brown. And it's yeah. like now you see these mock trades and it's like the Sixers have to add something to get Jalen Brown, which is just crazy where we're at. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, you mentioned the length and the athleticism. And I think that's something, you know, without Ben, the Sixers completely lack. Um, you know, we talk about wing athleticism. Tobias Harris, he obviously lacks it. And just getting that type of athleticism, I think, could change the game for the Sixers. You know, we have, like, a bunch of these, like, you know, I, I hate to call them, like, short guards. But, you know, Tyrese Maxey, he is athletic, but he's not finishing over top of the rim, over top of people. You know, Seth Curry, obviously, is not the most athletic guy in the world. Danny Green is limited by far. Um, so, 
you know, there is a lack of athleticism overall with this team that I would love to see fulfilled by uh, Jalen Brown. Um, number two on my list, I have SGA. So I don't know how realistic this is because I don't know what the hell the Oklahoma City Thunder are doing. So I don't I don't know what their overall plan is. Um, but I do look at them, um, you know, whether it's a three-team deal and Ben Simmons goes somewhere else or if Ben Simmons just went straight there as a package for SGA or something like that. Um, I do think Ben Simmons, it, it could like kind of fit with where they're going, uh, just getting him back to where he needs to get to with his play, um, kind of figuring himself out on the offensive end, no pressure. Um, and then you get SGA back with Doc Rivers, who he was with as a rookie um, on the Clippers. Uh, obviously, he's, you know, he's something that the Sixers have been missing as well. Any thoughts on SGA? What, what are your thoughts on him as a player and his fit, like what it would be with the Sixers? I love SGA. I'm a, I'm a big SGA fan. I think he's really, really good um, at what he does. Yeah. And I think, again, he's cerebral in the pick and roll. So if he were to end up here, it's something that you have to maneuver around because you yeah. don't pick and roll that often. Yeah. Um, and B doesn't roll that often. But he's a guy that in a pick and roll setting, I think, creates so much for the people around him that you know, you just you you center an offense around that, so yeah. it would be a little of a little bit of a switch up. Um, I think in a good way, but I love SGA. The like his contract's a nightmare going forward, and like yeah. he's gonna make so much money uh, in this yeah. offseason. So that's why I don't have him on my list because I just don't know if like they're willing money. to take on that massive contract. I got you. I got you. So yeah, SGA. I mean, six six point guard. You mentioned all his capabilities, and you know, just coming in. The 20 plus points. Uh, he does shoot under 30% from three, which I know he's he's been a, he in well last year, though. Huh? Did he, he shoot well? I'm pretty sure he well last year, like closer to 40%. I don't know what's going on with him this year, but I'm pretty sure he shot well last year. I was just looking at this the other day. I wrote an article, so I I think I have it right, but I, I might be wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna try to find it right now. If you if you do find it, just let me know. But yeah, it's uh, um, he shot 41.8 percent last year on. Oh wow! Yeah, almost five attempts a game. So like he has it in him. Yeah. So yeah. So then that that's definitely a good sign. But that's why he's number two on my list. I think you know yeah. the youth um, that you you would be getting back is is a prospect. U ultimately, you wouldn't lose so much with Ben. Now, obviously, SGA he, he isn't held up to that standard like Ben is, but. Um, right now, he, he he is a better player, you know, at least offensively. So it could solve a lot of issues for the Sixers. Um, number three on my list, I have uh, Dejounte Murray, which I know you have him number four on your list. Um, so talk to me about Dejounte Murray, um, what he's done this season. He's had a hell of a season so far, and probably has increased his value to somewhere where we don't want to see it. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on him and his fit and what it would be with the Sixers? Yeah. Another guy I'm a huge fan of, um, like that dog mentality we talked about earlier that like Tobias kind of lacks and like, it seems like this team kind of lacks sometimes, uh, that's not going to fly with him. He's, he's a dog through and through. He's been one of my favorite players in the league for a couple of years now. Uh, you're talking about perimeter defense, really lengthy, strong, aggressive defender, um, yeah. if you're talking about backcourt partner, like very, very solid in terms of if you want to pair him with Maxi, he, he does a lot yeah. of things that Maxi doesn't do. Um, he's growing as a shooter. He's another guy that is a, you know, a gym rat has been improving every season and you, yeah. you have a little bit of youth in there as well. He's a younger guy. 
Uh, he doesn't make it too much money. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of of Murray for a lot of reasons, and I think he'd be great here. I also think people would love him here. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's a big part of it, the culture aspect and, you know, his kind of dog mentality. You can kind of see that in the way he plays. He's not afraid yeah. of the moment. And, um, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. He's another, you know, kind of lanky, taller point guard um, that could fill that bill and averaging over eight assists and eight rebounds. So he would fill in that facilitation that we're losing with Ben um, as well as the rebounding that we've been struggling with as well. So um, that, w- that would be a very interesting one. You also got Bradley Bill up here at number three, which, you know, he's another one where I'm like, ah, maybe long term, you know, maybe in, in the off season. He is refusing to sign that extension with Washington. Yeah. So that's what, you know, kind of yeah. kind of changes my thinking there. Um, what are the thoughts with Bradley Beal as far as, re- uh, you know, a realistic shot? And then um, just that fit with uh, this team as well, where Bradley Beal is another one of those targets where you probably have to give up either a Maxi or a Thibel or both with Ben. Yeah, um, I think two weeks ago, if you asked me to do this, I probably wouldn't have had him on my board. But since all those rumors came out and, and he was like, I'm not comfortable signing a deal yet here. Um, which is weird because he's been so like loyal to them and up until now, and now they're having like their best season that they've had so far. Like, I don't know, but you can see that like Washington's trying to build something like with Dinwiddie, with Kuzma and Montrez Harrell, like they're, they're starting to get into that uh, different style of play. Um, and obviously Brad Beal is going to dominate because he's that good offensively. Um, but if they wanted to, you know, if they're saying Brad doesn't want to stay here, he might want to go win somewhere and we're not really in the winning position right now we're not going to sell everything to try to win but we could yeah. end up with ben simmons and in, in a game on a big contract and, a, and he'll stay here for a while i think like i think there's a realistic shot at that that could be a yeah. case but like you said it might be longer term it might be through this year or at least like closer to the deadline if that were to happen but like just in terms of player brad yeah. Beal is amazing you know he was up in 30 point per game area if you can get in exchange for ben that uh, a bit a 30 point per game score like yeah. all by all means you got to do it yeah you have to do that 100 so I'm, I'm definitely with you on bradley beal and honestly you know with those rumors i i could i could do with having them on my list here i'd probably take i'd take De'Aaron or brandon ingram off which you know moving along brandon ingram he's he's a very controversial piece obviously because you know the well-known reasons of the sixers yeah. passing him up in the draft in the first place um I, I get the concerns with Brandon Ingram. I've, you know, I'm, I do my due diligence on Twitter, you know, reading around what people are thinking, um, you know, as far as, you know, his similarities to Tobias Harris, where he operates on the floor. But, you know, overall, when I'm thinking about value and what you can get back for Ben, um, I know it might not be the greatest fit. And I also don't think that Darren Fox is the greatest fit, which I'll, I'll get your opinion on that as well. But, um, the thing with Brandon Ingram, at least he provides scoring, you know, 20 plus point night guy. He provides length at the wing spot. He can play defense against a lot of different positions. Um, so I do I do have a little bit of interest there with Brandon Ingram. He's averaging close to 23 points, six rebounds, five assists, shoots about 36 percent from the three. So I, I look at him. It's not obviously my favorite. And honestly, I, I would take Damian Lillard. I would take Bradley Beal over him, obviously. Um, what are your thoughts on Brandon Ingram, that fit, and you know him him overall as a player? Yeah, I'm not a huge bi fan. Um, to be honest, I like I think if that was the the swap for Tobias in, in any sort of way, like I would be very happy about That'd that. But um, 
I think that'd be a great switch or a great swap, but I don't know. I think for, for Ben, that seems like a really big downgrade. Whereas like, you know, you get those 23 points from all these other guys and he seems around, like he's never really impressed me in terms of like energy. Or that, just yeah. like, he's just kind of there. Um, maybe it's, like, it's not playing his in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. And maybe he's just because he's been playing in New Orleans, but he's a very talented, skilled player um, and a versatile scorer. So, like I, again, I wouldn't mind having him on the Sixers at all. But um, for Ben, I think that would be kind of like the low ball for, low ball. for them. And so, basically, in a deal like that, you would want you know like maybe a piece attached with Brandon Ingram, like yeah, something Josh like Hart. Josh Hart, yes. I, I was trying yeah. to think of somebody. That is the perfect piece right there, man. Yeah. That would, I mean, Josh Hart would solve a lot of issues, you know, as like just that role player, but he's like a, a very high, you know, quality role player. Yeah. Um, as we finish up here, I think this is the last player on the list that, to go through. Um, yeah. De'Aaron Fox, right? Uh, I mentioned it earlier. I don't think he's the greatest fit. But once again, when I'm looking at uh, quality of return and talent as far as compared to Ben, I do like De'Aaron Fox a lot. Um, shooting 26.5% from three this season. Yeah. He's never, it's never been his strong suit, but at least, you know, he, he gets him up. But thoughts on De'Aaron Fox, that fit, you know, he, he kind of seems eerily similar to Tyrese Maxey, but, you know, at a higher yeah. level, I guess you could say higher volume. Um, what are your thoughts on De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, I think that when you talk about the fit, it's a little bit rough. Like You, you definitely have to move Maxey off the floor right? Uh, just because they play essentially the same type of basketball, getting up and down the floor. But when when thinking about Maxi and all the things that we love about Maxi, um, I think are kind of heightened with De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox, yeah. Oh, last year, it's again, it's going to be something I think he probably battles with throughout his entire career. But in a situation where he's maybe getting a little bit more open three pointers and catch and shoot, like with Embiid, uh, all the attention that he draws, like game breaking speed when you're talking about him getting up and down the floor. Yeah. Um, getting those easy buckets that we talked about earlier and getting to the rim at a capacity that we don't have right now, aside from Maxi, but like Fox is a, an established player that's been able to do this for a couple of years now. So uh, the confidence is there. I think getting him out of Sacramento is like step number one into rehabilitating his jumper. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think that's probably on the horizon as well. I think Fox is going to be on the move probably by the end of the year. So uh, that's why he's on my list. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that, that's kind of why I wanted to ask you about Fox um, as, as we finish the show up here, because I know I've, I've kept you over time here. Um, we'll, we'll finish up with, uh, you know, just Portland. I, I wanted to talk about Portland, Sacramento, uh, Indiana, Boston, uh, kind of their situations right now. And, you know, you mentioned Darren Fox, although, you know, I, I know you probably follow Zach, um, who covers the Kings as well. Um, <laughs> He, uh, you know, I, I pay attention to what he puts out, and basically the Kings have come out. Their management says they don't want to move Fox. Um, but in reality, if you look at their recent drafts, it seems like they're stacking up guards, right. you know, to replace Fox. You talk about De uh, Davion Mitchell, um, who they just recently drafted very high, who's a who's a quality guard, but they're just – they got a plethora of guards there. Tyrese Halliburton, another high pick. Yeah. Um when we look at Sacramento, who has lost three in a row, they're 11 and 17. They fired their head coach already. Do you just sell everything, right? Like, do you just ship or, or do you try to keep Fox and get healed? Who It seems like they've been trying to move him for years now and they cannot get it yeah. done. Um, Bagley, you know, Harrison Barnes, those guys of the world. 
Um, what are your thoughts on the Kings? Should they just blow that entire thing up, or would you try to build around Fox or try to build around any of those guys? I mean, it. there's a lot of things that are just terrible with that organization. It seems like they just don't have a direction at all. Yeah. Um, but, like, you drafted Halliburton, something they're very fond of, who I like. I like Halliburton a lot, but they're like more fond of him than Fox. And then Davion Mitchell was a, a lottery pick as well. So you only have so many spots in the starting lineup for guards, especially smaller guards like yeah. Mitchell and, and Fox. So I don't know. I, I think for them, it's probably best to do like maybe a step back again. I, I don't know. Like they've already been down there for so yeah, long. Like what like, can you do? It's like they tried rebuilding after DeMarcus Cousins. And it's like, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe you go, you try to move Fox for like if you're talking about Miles Turner and you think yeah. that like he's a, you know, a good piece to build around. I don't know. Like there's a lot of yeah. like and the Pacers as well. Like they have Brogdon. They just Brogdon just signed an ex- yeah bonus or Miles Turner or both or Karis Avert too. Like I don't know what their plan is either. Yeah, and that's that's a confusing thing with the Pacers is like. With the Eastern Conference right now, I know they're they're twelve and seventeen. I mean, they're only a few games out of the eighth spot in the in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, and like obviously that's probably not their goal, I would imagine. But you know, I just don't understand selling so quickly after giving that extension to Brogdon, and then how does that make Brogdon feel as well when you're basically making everybody else available, including Sabonis? I just yeah. I, I really don't know what Indiana's doing there. Um, and then, of course, uh, we, I, I mentioned Boston, but a report came out that it, there's growing internal talks about, you know, moving Jalen Brown and separating Jason Tatum and Brown. Um, what would you do if you're Boston right now? Because they're sitting at, what, uh, 14 or is that 11 and 14? I think they're 11 and 14 right now. Um, or I, I can't read my own hand right there. <laughs> Let me just look it up real quick. It's either 11 and 14 or 14 and 14. Um, but the fact that these rumors are coming out and they came out earlier in the season, they're 14 and 14. So they don't even have a, a below 500 record, but these rumors are coming out. And uh, there was rumors earlier in the season with Marcus Smart, him saying that they don't pass the ball. Um, what are your thoughts on Boston? Like, do they need this to sell? Like, do they need to buy? Like, what what can they do? I they uh, I don't know, because like they're both so young, like Tatum and Burr, guys you build around. And yeah. they're not even in the primes of their careers yet. Um, I love turmoil in Boston. It makes me happy to see them <laughs> struggle. I, it's one of the few joys in my life yeah. um, to see them. You know, it, it happened with the Sixers. They tried to break up Embiid and Simmons. They finally did, and then they just yeah. moved right over to Boston. Like, yeah, they them did. Down with us. <laughs> <laughs> so funny to see that that progression. But like, if I'm Boston, I'm I'm doing everything I can to get help for them. I'm not moving yeah. them. Um, unless they really can't coexist, but they've been on good teams like Eastern Conference Finals caliber yeah. teams. You just need one more piece, and it's not Al Horford, it's it's not Marcus Smart or Peyton yeah. Pritchard. Like they've missed on some draft picks. Um, they their front office has been in a weird. Like Dennis Schroeder is not going to do it. You know, it's it's definitely strange to see the, the direction they've gone. But I wouldn't move either of those two players. I feel like they're they're way too good to like kind of give up on right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's just too much upside there, you know, especially when you're talking about um, obviously Tatum's a superstar, but when you're talking yeah. about Jalen Brown, he still has like a, a level that he has not reached yet that he's capable of reaching, I believe. So I, I, I tend yeah. to agree with you. 
they need a quality big man because when they get down into the yeah. thick of things against Giannis, against Embiid, you know, people make the jokes about Horford. I, if, if that happens again this season, then we'll talk. <laughs> you know, what happened in that first matchup with Boston and how bad Embiid played, he was coming yeah. back from COVID. I'm not taking that. I'm not hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they need a guy that can battle down there in the post. Even even a guy like Bam Adebayo could dominate a team like Boston like that. So um, definitely definitely need to make some improvements there. But, um, yeah, Boston, Boston looks pretty confused. Um, <laughs> the one last thing I want to ask you before I get you out of here, James, uh, just regarding the Eastern Conference. So I'm, I'm looking at these specific teams like uh, New York Knicks, um, the Atlanta Hawks, who were in the playoffs last year. Right now they're sitting outside looking in. Um, obviously, it's still very early in the season, but Atlanta's 13 and 14. New York Knicks are 12 and 15. Um, Boston, once again, 14 and 14. They were another team in the playoffs last year um, outside looking in. We have teams like Washington, Charlotte, and uh, Chicago and Cleveland um, up in the top of the ranks. What I wanted to ask you, do you believe in Cleveland? You know, is is this a real thing? Could they be a playoff team um, even without Colin Sexton? Or is losing Colin Sexton made them better in a sense? Like, what are your thoughts yeah. on the Eastern Conference and those teams that I mentioned? Yeah, uh, I love Cleveland's, like, goofy lineup with three seven-footers. And Evan <laughs> Mobley is awesome. Evan Mobley is awesome. uh, really, really fun to watch. Is he um, your rookie of the year? Yeah, he should be right now. I, I yeah. think even regardless of numbers, I think that he just is um, very, very impactful young yeah. player. Um, Colin Sexton, I think like I, I think it sucks for him that he got hurt because it seems like they've kind of just moved on. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that the, like the two small guard lineup for them really ever worked, even with like Jared Allen at center. I like what they're building and their foundation, but like, I don't believe in them yet. I don't think they just have, they don't have the talent uh, top yeah. to bottom on their roster. Um, Chicago, I think, I think they're contenders. They've got, you know, prime scoring at all positions, all, yeah. all the major positions. Um, I think that the Knicks and the Celtics will both be buyers at the deadline um, to get like that one piece. And whether it is like a miles Turner or a Sabonis yeah. um, getting those into a, a Knicks uniform or, yeah, whoever it is, like, imagine I guess Sabonis, Sabonis wouldn't work with Randall. I know. I was, I was just gonna say, imagine Sabonis and, and Julius Randall in the same squad. My goodness. No, that would just be a lot of a lot of post up jumpers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's a weird part of the year where like the good teams are getting back to being really good, and the bad teams yeah. are like the next two weeks. I think are very telling of what these middle of the road teams like. Charlotte's a good team, but like Charlotte's not going to be a good team in the playoffs. I don't think. Right. Atlanta will probably get back to being a good team for the playoffs. Um, I think the Knicks are going to do everything they can right now to make strides towards being a good playoff team. But um, again, I don't think they have the star power yet. Uh, Julius Randle yeah. can't, you can't sustain an offense off of Julius Randle, like 25 shots a night. So um, it'll be, yeah, seriously. <laughs> so um, I think there's a lot of potential contenders, but I think that the the top of the East is where you find like obviously Brooklyn, Milwaukee, um, yeah. Then you, I don't know if you have Chicago and then like Miami. Miami's good, and yeah. I guess Philadelphia is down in that second tier. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I, I I have stars by all the teams that I think will like definitely make the playoffs, and I have Brooklyn, Chicago, Milwaukee, um, Miami, Philly, and then Atlanta. I do believe will get up in there as well. Yeah. But um, what about Toronto? Just before we hop off, Toronto's uh... not getting about a lot this year. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so. I've always actually I wondered about Fred Van Vliet too in uh in a Ben trade. Me too. Um but Ben and like the most effective player in the league would just like break my brain. So <laughs> like I like Toronto though. The fact that they like don't really even have a center that plays for them. They just like run a bunch of like really long athletic players and yeah. see, like just see what happens. And it's it's fun. I don't think they'll be maybe like in that bottom tier playoffs, maybe they'll get into a play in, but like I don't see them any better than like a seven. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And and the the key thing with uh you know Toronto, I think they, they do have a package that like interests me. Like yeah, if you threw Fred Van Vliet and OG and Anobi together in a deal I, I would do that 100 percent. i know that's probably a little too much for for toronto um yeah. maybe throw in another piece like a, a thibel or something or uh, yeah maxi i don't i don't know how it would work but um that's something i would be interested in but james i'm not going to take up any more of your time man I've, I've already took us over um got a lot of a lot of good information out of you today and it, it was certainly a pleasure my man um, and of course, you know, if, if you ever want to come back on the show, ever want to come back on DSM yeah. media, just reach out, man. You're, you're a friend of mine. So you're always welcome. Um, before we, uh, before we exit James, if you just want to share one more time where everybody can find you, your Twitter handle, um, and everything going forward. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I feel special being as a, as a guest on the show. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, you just follow me at Twitter is jsbrain 17 all my written work and, and a podcast at the Liberty line. And then also just check out the pick swap podcast with me and Sean. So that's all I got. Yeah, of course, James. And yeah, you should feel special. I mean, you are the special <laughs> guest, James. I, I wanted Thank to get you. you on my show. Um, after I interacted with you, you know, through Sean, I met you through Sean and uh, you definitely know your stuff. So um, everybody be sure to give uh, James a follow on Twitter. Make sure you're following all of his content, checking him out. And uh, I'm sure you will see James around a lot more in yeah. the future here, but uh <laughs> That's going to be it for this episode of Scotty Talks. Um, before I get out of here, I do want to just plug, uh, make sure you're following DSM Media at DSM underscore media. Um, if you're on Instagram, follow uh, DSM Media at DSM period do something major. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Drowned. Um, and before we get out of here, you guys know that we are sponsored by Manscaped. Um, DSM Media and Scotty Talks NBA are brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SCOTTY. That's S-C-O-T-T-Y at manscaped.com. Make sure that you are using that code throughout the holiday season. Get all your family members. It can be men or women. I'm sure women shave too. So, um, you know, get all your utensils, get all your gear, uh, and make sure your family members are taken care of this holiday season by using that code SCOTTY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. For myself, for James, for DSM Media, that is going to be it for this episode. And thank you for tuning in, everybody. Peace. Peace.